Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Period. Just ahead of that, I'll uh, tell you what's up next week. Uh, the title is, What Are Albertans Likely to Experience with an NDP government, and what are the chances of yet another political dynasty? And the speaker is Dwayne Bratt from Calgary, and he will, uh, he will talk uh, about a lot of things, I'm sure, but one of the things he will speculate on is the ability of, uh, ability for corporations uh, and uh, large businesses may not be able to contribute uh, as, as generous to political parties and unions, by the way, uh, to political parties as they have in the past, which would uh, probably prevent uh, a long dynasty. They might even shoot themselves in the foot, but they're willing to do that. Uh, Dwayne Brad will, will uh, argue. <coughs> So that's next uh, Thursday at noon. On the 18th is the uh, SACPA AGM. And like I said earlier, you, any members that is currently up to date will be fed for free. Uh, anyone that is not a member is still welcome to come and listen, and, uh, but they will have to pay $11. So that uh, we don't expect any, uh, you know, we usually don't get a big crowd, but we would love to have a big crowd for our ABM. That would be, be wonderful. So think about buying a membership there. Annalise will be here this week. Next week she will not be here, but uh, we will still, uh, and you can also purchase membership at the ABM as well. So uh, plan on it. Uh, I'd like to invite Stan back up to the podium so you can uh, ask him uh, questions, uh, not only about the city of Lefties, of course, but the tax structure in Alberta, generally speaking. So give Stan a hand. Go ahead. I'm Bev Mundell-Atherstone, is it on? Yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Stan, for your presentation. Um, I've heard about the discrepancies in taxes for people who had similar land, but uh, didn't realize the depth of the discrepancies. So you mentioned a little bit about income on linear properties. <clears throat> and so my questions all have to do with low-income people who own their property. Um, some people w might be seniors on fixed income. Some people might be otherwise on fixed income. Some people might be on age because they're allowed to have a house. And um, I'd like to know, so first, how does, that, how does income 
relate to taxation. And in relation to that, then how does the 60 days after assessment relate and what things are considered to be legitimate concerns? And thirdly, in relation to making a petition to the municipality in regard to the changes that are coming up that you mentioned, how would we do that? Okay, so your first question is um, affordable housing? The, the in, no, not affordable housing. People who own their house, but yes. they're on fixed incomes fixed income. or on AISH. Um, unfortunately, I have no good news for you on that. Uh, the properties are valued on w what they would uh, buy and sell for on the marketplace. So, um, you know, if you're a senior citizen and you're in a very expensive house, then the tax is uh, what it is, and it usually is fairly high. It's about 1% uh, of value. So uh, the province has set up a program for provincial seniors, which is sort of like a reverse mortgage. They will pay your tax for you, and uh, they will charge that back against your property as a, as a loan, um, which has to be satisfied when the property is sold. That's the only um, uh, compensation that I'm aware of that's available for uh, low-income uh, individuals. Why did you have income on your on the slide that you showed us? Well, when I was talking about income, um, we, we use the income approach to value to value uh, most commercial properties. So they don't, you know, there's not many sales of commercial properties, but uh, usually owners lease them or rent them, um, and so we get the uh, income data, the rental income data on those properties, and uh, we use that data to calculate the assessment or the market value of the property. It's one of the, one of the three approach, standard approaches to appraisal. Okay, the two other parts were in relation to the 60 days after you're assessed and uh, how do we have input into the municipality? Okay, um, our assessment notices were sent out last Friday and anybody who wishes to put in a formal complaint ab about their assessment I think has till uh, Ryan July 28th, is it? That's correct, July 28th. Um, we would encourage you, if you have a concern about your assessment or your tax, or not your tax, but your assessment, or any questions about your tax, contact us at the assessment department, and uh, we'll go over the assessment with you, and we'll try and explain the assessment. If Oftentimes we go out and visit properties. If we have an error in any of the data on your property, we'll correct that, and uh, we'll issue you a new assessment and tax notice. And if at the end of the day you uh, um, don't like our explanation or aren't satisfied uh, with the value that we placed on it, then you can place a formal complaint before July uh, 28th uh, to the uh, Assessment Review Board, which is another arm of the city that works under the City Clerk's Department. There is a $30 fee, which is refundable if you're successful, um, and uh, that's how you can put in a formal complaint. And then you mentioned that right now the municipality is rewriting stuff and to get in our ideas. What was that? Oh, uh, the provincial government is um, doing a rewrite on the Municipal Government Act. And that is the act that governs assessment and taxation uh, um, policy and principles. So they've done a consultation uh, process across the province and they're still continuing on with stakeholder groups. Uh, so if you um, have concerns about certain areas of assessment, 
You can go on their website. Uh, you can contact them and uh, put in submissions or make your uh, issues uh, known. Um, uh, I'm Trevor Page. Uh, you tweaked my attention right at the outset of your presentation when I think you said that our taxes, our property taxes, would be lower if you collected all of the taxes that were due. And I much liked your example of the poultry farm west of Edmonton on the doorstep of the Legislative Assembly, which ain't paying any taxes at all. So my question is, do you have an informal estimate, just a ballpark figure, on how much less our property taxes would be if all the corporations were paying up? Now, I appreciate that varies from area, will vary from area to area, but to what extent are we getting ripped off with the big example of the Edmonton poultry farm right on the steps of the legislature? Well, that is a very, very difficult question to answer. But um, if we look at the education tax and uh, I think the, this year uh, $2.3 billion was collected from property tax, there's an exemption of $259 million for machinery and equipment assessed at its lower rate at the moment. That's That would be a 10% reduction in your education tax right there. Um, one of the things I mentioned in the presentation is one of the principles is if you're going to exempt something, you've got to keep track of it to figure out how much you're really giving away and whether it's it's uh, uh, getting the desired consequences that you're, you're hoping to get out of it. Unfortunately, there's so many of these items that are unassessed that uh, nobody has any idea of. Um, I would hope that your tax base could drop by 20, 25%. I would think if everybody was was in in at 100% level uh, for the full, full amount of property they had. Okay. Uh, Mary Shillington, uh, some of this is very complicated and more than my social work mind can take into consideration. I'm not financier, but. Uh, we rent a, a property, an office that is owned in a city building, <coughs> and our taxes went from fifty dollars to three hundred eighty-eight in one year. Uh, so, it, and I, we looked at uh, having a reassessment done, but it was going to. We had to have all these papers and da 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 da. So, if if I, if we were going to. Uh, uh, ask for a reassessment. Do we have to prove anything, or besides pay the thirty dollars, uh, or what's the process? Well, you're paying my salary. <laughs> yeah. We can talk after after this particular meeting. I will take your individual circumstances and I will uh, have it looked at, and I'll have somebody get in touch with you and come and look at your property. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Hi, Bobby Cullum. Um, I've been an acreage owner and a poultry farmer. So um, I just wonder if maybe that's a little one-sided on the poultry farm 
when you discuss that poultry farm, how many other smaller farms are dependent on its success? When you discuss um, <clears throat> the economic benefits to the city of Edmonton and to the province of Alberta, what is its impact there? What's the income tax? So I'd just like to hear more about that. Well, those are very good points. And, and with taxation, it's always a balance. And I can't tell you. Uh, I can't tell you those, and I can't tell you what it, it should be taxed if all of the buildings were assessed and taxable because that's not measured anywhere. But, yeah, there, there are spin-offs. And, uh, you know, it, I, uh, it, when I was in the city of Edmonton, they do a tax review, and they have a chamber of commerce, senior citizens, uh, representatives from various groups sit on that. And I remember the um, president of the chamber of commerce in Edmonton saying, you know, it's a, it's a balance. It's a balance between uh, commerci commercial and industry and citizens. Uh, we want to be competitive so that we attract jobs and, and um, uh, we, we encourage development of the province, but we also want to provide reasonable services at a reasonable rate to our taxpayers. So, very good question. I, I just don't have the answers. And obviously, you're right. There are spin-offs. There are jo jobs created. Hello, Wendy Culkin. Um, at the beginning of your talk, you had differentiated, differentiated between the difference of assessment um, and uh, incentives. Uh, could you speak to what incentives for industrial development the city of Lethbridge has? Oh, incentives. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little area out of my area of expertise here, but. Uh, there is a, there are several programs that are co-sponsored by both the province and the city. Uh, one is the um, street uh, uh, streetscape, where where money is donated to update older buildings in the downtown area. And it's done through a joint uh, monies that are provided by the part uh, um, of our city committee and through the provincial government. Um, that's not a large program. The, prob uh, the uh, city recently uh, put through an initiative that uh, they will pay up to $30,000 for uh, per dwelling unit that's developed in the downtown core that, uh, uh, to encourage more residential development in the downtown, um, which will support commercial growth, hopefully. Uh, they also have um, passed an initiative uh, uh, to encourage commercial development downtown in that um, there can be uh, tax cancellation up to $2 million over a five-year period for any development over $10 million. Uh, so far, we've had a couple of developers build some small residential uh, units. Um, we've had no large developments of commercial nature. so. The uh, programs are there, but um, uh, you know I'm always uh, a little suspicious about government trying to drive development. The marketplace will de drive de development, and uh, incentives can help, um, but I'm lukewarm on those personally. That, that and a coffee, that other dollar will buy you a coffee. I appreciate your presentation. My name is Cheryl Bradley, and it is a difficult subject to get one's mind around. Um, 
I'm just wondering if the current situation we have where large corporations, especially oil sands development, and, uh, and also rural areas seem to be uh, favored in terms of low tax. Has that developed just by ad hoc decisions over decades, or was there ever a policy established that directed that happen? I, I mean, I guess I'd like a little more insight into the roots of why we are in this uh, unfair situation that we seem to be into today. Well, um, I don't have a lot of background into, obviously, into the policy decisions at the uh, provincial level. One of the, both of the committees I was on, um, there was a former um, assistant uh, provincial assessor who was involved in policy, and I have some insight into some of it. Uh, let's, let's take the uh, exemption from M&E for education tax. I believe back in the early Klein days, the price of oil was about 18 bucks a barrel. And they figured, well, maybe we'll stimulate uh, more industrial growth if we remove the tax on the education tax on machinery and equipment. So they phased it out over three years. And uh, when the oil went back up to 100, 120, whatever it got to at one stage, about 140 bucks a, a barrel, um, they never looked back at that policy. So that one I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. Some of these things, some of the def definitions and some of these things go back to the 50s. It's hard to believe, but they go back to the 50s, um, and uh, things were done back then to, to kind of promote the early development of the, uh, uh, of the province. Um, I didn't go into exemptions, like uh, <coughs> rural gas co-ops are unassessable. They pay no, no, no assessment whatsoever. They pay no tax, and they're not assessable. And uh, back in the 50s, when they were trying to uh, get gas out into the rural areas, uh, uh, that's the mechanism that they use to, to encourage that. The same with the rural elect electrical associations. Um, there's about 70 of those left in the province. Most of them have been have been turned over and are operated by Fortis or other private companies, but all of their equipment and whatnot is is exempt from assessment. So we don't even know you know what the loss in revenue is, uh, and that goes back to the 50s when they were trying to uh, to get services out into the rural areas. So some of these policies haven't been looked at for half a century. Uh, Terry Shellington, thank you very much, Stan, for, uh, for your presentation and your information. I'm intrigued by your comments around um, <coughs> the trend to having corporations self-report. And, um, and, and I'm intrigued by your uh, evaluation of that. I guess the government argument would be that the the staffing costs that would be required to properly assess some of these corporations wouldn't pay for the whatever the loss in uh, in self-reporting. Would you care to make a wild estimate about about well about that question, but also how much are we losing by self-reporting, and is it is it worth staffing <coughs> a, a taxation department for? Well, I think there's a better way of going about this. Um, under the current procedure, we're looking at the nuts and bolts. Uh, when I started in this business uh, many years ago, we used to go in houses, and uh, if you had avocado green or that harvest gold um, uh, toilets and bathtubs, we'd add for that. <laughs> 
Um, when we went to market value, a lot of that, that uh, nickel and dime and nonsense stuff fell away. Um, regulated property has been left behind, so we're looking at the nuts and bolts of all of these components. So let's say we, we had a, a large plant that was capable of producing so much lumber. And uh, so based on that capacity, around the world, uh, there are sales of those type of com companies, and, and they're sold and bought and sold on, on what they can produce. So instead of getting there and measuring all of the little nickel and dime things, if we looked at the whole value of the unit, uh, set up some rates based around uh, experiences elsewhere in the world, uh, it'd be much simpler. And as I keep going back to the principles, it's got to be easy to understand and it's got to be, got to be comprehensible. So. Yeah, Harry Eldon, just, just a couple of comments. Uh, we're talking about uh, these electric lines uh, not being assessed, which is fine. But then what we're forgetting is that once they're assessed and taxed, who do you think pays for the increases? All us ratepayers for the electricity. Mm. You know, I mean, there are various things you have to take into mind. And when we talk about businesses in town here, I think the assessments are fair enough, but the tax rates are just about double that we pay for houses, so they're a lot higher. Uh, <coughs> I ran across an example where if you had a triplex, <coughs> you paid the same rate as a normal residential rate, but if it was a fourplex, your taxes were considerably higher. So uh, I, I know we're talking assessments. Assessments are fair enough, but we also have to take into account what happens with tax rates, which is perhaps not your bailiwick, but which for us all ties together into a package. I don't know how you see that. Well, I am also the tax collector, and tax rates are my bailiwick. And uh, so you, you make some interesting comments there. Um, you as a citizen, when you go to pay your residential property taxes, uh, you have no opportunity to uh, deduct that from your income tax. So if you have... Um, uh, let's say a fourplex or larger for for in uh, the multi-residential field, you have the opportunity to deduct those expenses uh, against your income, and um, so you have a lower income, and you actually have a, a little lower property assessment as a result of that. So uh, um, that that's part of the reasoning behind that. Businesses have uh, also have the opportunity to write off some of their expenses and their taxes. Now, I don't set policy, uh, tax policy for the city. Uh, as I said, I have sat on a couple, as a resource person, to a couple of uh, tax policy committees in the city of Edmonton. And it, you are exactly right. It's a balance between providing a level of services, having a reasonable level of taxation for residents, and uh, certainly remaining competitive as far as businesses go with other municipalities. Um, I'm not an elected official. I'm not a politician. That's a very difficult road to... Uh, steer down. So I hope that kind of answers your question. Okay. Pointing. 
My name's Peter Beal. And uh, I wonder how much leeway the city has in property assessment. What I'm thinking of is in industries deciding, going to employ 100 people, they're deciding, let's say, between Medicine and Lethbridge. Mm -hmm. One of the things is looking at taxes, you know. Mm -hmm. So how much leeway does the city have in these assessments? Well, sort of like competition, right? right? Well, it can be. It can be. A lot of that happens in the United States. Um, the city, uh, under the Municipal Government Act, can only pass one tax rate for non-residential properties. So uh, they're, they're limited. They can't give a. They can. They can cancel taxes, but they can. That can only be done on a yearly basis, and uh, one council cannot bind a, a future council. Um, we were talking at lunch here, and I mentioned that the uh, Land Lincoln. Lincoln Land Institute in the United States has done studies on this, and uh, taxation or competitive taxation is probably about 15th, 16th on the list of, of uh, important decisions that are, uh, or important criteria that are considered before industry makes a, a decision on where to locate. So um, I'm not sure how important at the end of the day it really is. Last question, Claude. Anyway, my name is Henry Heinen, and I just heard it again this morning because the tax notices went out. So my coffee group, I, I live in the county, and some of these folks live in the, you know, Black Rock Manor and that whole Brewery Hill condominium complexes, and they keep telling me, you know, in terms of where they're located, they're stacked four high. The city put in certain utilities, he says, rather than every individual residence having their own sewer and so on. Yet they say, you know, we're paying, and the one guy compared it to a guy who has, say, a three-bedroom bungalow, and the guy in the condominium Blackrock Terrace pays a lot more taxes on a monthly basis than, say, the guy that has the three-bedroom bungalow with a full lot. Maybe you can comment on that. Well, without having the particular properties in front of me to look at, I, it's tough for me to speculate on what we're looking at here. Uh, I would be surprised that uh, condominium condominium properties in general don't pay as much taxes as a three-bedroom bungalow. Uh, I have a three-bedroom bungalow, and and uh, my taxes are thirty-six hundred, just shy of thirty-six hundred dollars this year. So I can't imagine anybody in Black Rock paying that that amount. But it is based on what you can sell your property for. Uh, market value of your property. So when we're, we're doing this, we take uh, in the residential area about 7,000 sales over the last three years. Uh, we analyze them, we categorize them, uh, use statistical testing, and we come up with what we feel are very close to uh, market values. And each year our work is audited before we send it out by the provincial government and provincial auditors. And I, I'd like to think that we uh, produce a, a very accurate product. If uh, there's no other questions, I have one, and it may be the last one. Uh, Stan, could you comment on the particular almost a million dollar shortfall from the province in terms of social housing uh, grant? Yeah. Could you explain where, the, where we're going with that? Right. Um, in the proposed March 31st budget, uh, deep in the budget was hidden a that uh, the province was no longer going to pay grants in lieu of taxes on uh, affordable housing properties they had and uh, seniors' accommodation properties they had. 
So in Lethbridge, we had about 80 properties, about 60 of them houses. So if you were driving down the street, you wouldn't know which one was or which one wasn't uh, uh, owned by the provincial government for social housing. Um, the loss in revenue uh, total was $935,000, which resulted in a 0.7% tax increase for all Lethbridge citizens. Um, we are hopeful that the new government is looking at this and will consider uh, uh, reversing that decision. The city continues to provide services to all these properties, uh, roadways, parks, uh, fire police protection, storm sewers, water sewers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's no reason why they wouldn't be paying, shouldn't be paying a grant in lieu of taxes in the city's view. I know the mayor has prepared a, a letter and he's had 21 uh, of his colleagues, other mayors throughout the province, uh, sign that letter. and. Uh, <coughs> been sent off to the uh, new premier and we're hoping that uh, the new government will take notice and uh, restore the, the grants. It was about 21 million dollars across the province. We've got room for one quick question if uh, anyone likes to ask one. Working? Oh, okay. Uh, Carol Sakia, I'm just wondering how easy it is to fight City Hall. With respect to the uh, appeal panel, okay? We're just talking at our table and um, we're encouraging someone to maybe go to that panel. Can you give me an idea of the makeup of that panel? I don't need names, but I'd like socioeconomic status if I could. And. Um, and sort of what the success rate has been maybe generally, but maybe even specifically last year, sort of the numbers of appeals that came in, how many were successful to the residents, how many were discarded, you know, that kind of stat. Sure. Thanks. Sure, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of our court record. Uh, very proud of it over the last couple of years. We don't have any. So two years ago, we had zero residential complaints filed. Last year, we had uh, four complaints filed but they were all in the annexation order where the terms of the annexation order had expired after 30 years and they were moved on. So uh, I, I'm very proud of, my, of, uh, of the job we do and my staff in the uh, city. Um, if you have a concern about your assessment, come and see us. You know, and We will go out have a look at your property. If there's an error in the data, uh, we will uh, correct it. If, if um, uh, <coughs> And we will try, to, if there's no error, we will try to provide a reasonable explanation, share sales with you that we're using uh, comparable to your property, and hopefully we can resolve it. Uh, so I, I don't look at it as fighting City Hall. You're, you're our clients, and we, we take our customers very seriously. Thank you very much for coming today, and uh, we'll see.